Welcome to Forest FM episode 85. I'm Killian Vigna. And I'm Zoe Bilal Springer. This week on Forest FM, we're all about time management and productivity. Our guest on the show is James Parnell, founder of the Wellbeing Gym and lead coach who specializes in performance and well-being. As always, we top off the show with our upcoming Forest Academy webinars. So grab yourself a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and join us weekly for all your salons, business, and marketing needs. Good morning, Zoe. Good morning, Killian. Really excited for this show because this comes off of the back of a workshop that we did recently. I think we had them kind of a couple of months apart. So the guest that we're about to introduce, he's actually done this as a regular workshop in Forest. And I think it's actually... Of all the workshops that they've put together for staff and fires, I've definitely got some results out of it myself. To be honest, I remember your calendar from ages ago from when we started this podcast. And I now look at your calendar and I try to book in some stuff. It's just like, right, there's blocks everywhere. Where do I, where can I fit in a 10 minute slot with Killian now? <laughs> it's almost like I have to take a doctor's appointment and like book it in three weeks in advance. <laughs> It's so it's so true though because <laughs> it's so true because like I never I used to never put anything in my calendar. I was a devil for like pen and paper and I always had my to-do lists and my notes. And then I realized that I just spend most of my time just basically being an admin of my own life, essentially. I'm not <laughs> getting anything done. And whenever people message me or look for anything, I'd kind of respond straight away. And now <laughs> thanks to James, <laughs> I'm basically impossible to book out. <laughs> yeah. I have my lunch is the only white spot in my Google calendar. <laughs> so um I suppose without further ado, welcome to the show, James Purnell. Thanks very much. I apologize for filling up your calendar. Uh, hopefully it's with all the, all the stuff that's important to you anyway. That's uh, all right. I managed to schedule you in there today for about, we've got 15 minutes. That's uh, all right. I just realized I'm not that important to him anymore. It's fine. <laughs> Tough conversations. I think we talked about that. <laughs> These are still friends, right? Yeah. yeah. She had to move to Canada to get away from me at this stage. Like, so... <laughs> So, um, yeah, I suppose, like like we already said in the introduction there, this isn't your first experience with Forrest. You're almost a member of staff at this stage, aren't you? <laughs> yes, yes, I am. And loving it. Thank you very much. You made me <laughs> feel so welcome. So, uh, yeah, really enjoyed the workshops with, with, with uh, everybody there. We were chatting about this a bit offline, but uh, I was asking you essentially, is it something that you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Like, what's what's your kind of day-to-day? -day? What do you do? Yeah, I, I have been described as a, as like a bit of a planner. Um, so, yeah, no, it, it is it is really important to me. Like to, uh, I do it daily. I, I take some time on my own. Um, I've got three kids, so I'm up early, and I always like to have some really quiet time to myself and look after myself first and set the day up right. So we might talk a little bit later about a daily routine. Like, but um, I I take that time every day and uh every week and then every you know couple of months i take a little bit more time to go and get away from everything so um my wife is is really really understanding and she uh because we came back from sydney she lets me go for a, a week every now and then to the sun on my own um so that's really taking prioritizing yourself to an extreme but um it's very beneficial to everybody so yeah i, I, I live and breathe it as much as i can anyway <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah because you're actually not long home from your holidays last i was chatting to you you're off surfing in portugal or something like that <laughs> yeah no i did take the family uh on, we all went together uh for that one in, in june um 
yeah so so that's good like but we always try and keep one holiday ahead so I, I love all that like you know if you have a holiday in the calendar and you can look forward to it you know sure that's half the fun as well so it's cool um just just as we kick off the show there's two things i'm dying to know first off um i was taking a little look around your website and you have a whole load of buzzwords going on here i mean like it looks like uh, you've got expertise and real experience using innovation and delivery disciplines such as human-centered design agile including safe design thinking experimentation theory of constraints lean six lean six sigma and prince two <laughs> um what exactly does all of that mean? That that's just the first half of my question. <laughs> so that's a funny one because all all of those skills are a result of me saying yes to too many things, which ironically, you know, I, I tell people to learn to say no. But <laughs> I, I won't try and explain them all. But basically, they're just tools in a toolbox. So they're just different methodologies that um, you know, and 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 ways to to get the most value out of limited, limited resources. And most of those are applied in, in, in corporates or businesses, um, you know, or projects, which is, which is my background. But I just view them as tools and different ways to problem solve. So if you only have a hammer, then everything you see is a nail. But if productivity, you know, a part of that is either taking opportunities or solving problems in the easiest way that you can find making your life as easy as you can and they're just different uh ways to to do that in in a project or in, in a corporate sort of work environment but all of the all of those can be applied to your own life like there's absolutely no reason like we we go into work we get organized we focus um, we plan, we collaborate with other people, and we're, we're you know, we, we all seem to organize our work day fairly well. And I just don't see any reason why you wouldn't do that to your whole life. So that re what you really want to do, whether it's work or, or pleasure, um, you know, you get what you want. Like, yeah, cool. And like the reason I asked you this was because, like, when we think of someone who's productive or really good at time management, we just think, I have that's just natural. They are naturally good at that. And that's why I mentioned these, because these aren't, they don't exactly sound like something that you just get naturally good at, which kind of leads into my question Were you always really productive and great at your time, or was this something that you just kind of got into or were you like us where you just realized everything is just a clutter and a mess and you need to sort stuff out fast um i'd say it was i was probably always efficient like i was always organized like you know with lists and and able to get things done fast but i never really you know in work i'd go in and someone say i need xyz done get it done but i never really thought about it so at a low level if you think about like daily or weekly prioritization or whatever i was good at that you know, ticking off lists, getting things done. But I never thought about why I was doing it or whether being fast at, at those things, whether they were the right things for me. Like, so I, I did well in my career, but, you know, whether that was the life that I wanted to lead or, you know, at a, at a much higher level, you can um, prioritize things. And I'd say I wasn't very good at that. You would get people who, who know exactly what their vision of a good life is and are able to prioritize things at that level. But they might but they might work daily chaotically, you know, but they're really good at that level. So I'd say I was, I was good at a, a detailed level. Um, but then I suppose five or six years ago, probably started, uh, started meditating and I started just becoming aware of 
Um, and I suppose this comes with age maybe as well, you know, just becoming aware of how all the areas of my life, not just my day, my day in work, um, interact with one another, like so my physical health, spirituality, everything like that. And I just became much more clear on, you know, what I wanted to do. Started um, asking more questions about different areas of my life and, and exploring those. And, and then and then actually learning to go with the flow a little bit more. Like, so not, uh, you know, you can't predict that A, B, C, D are the steps to um, a, a big life vision, but you can start um, with step A and, and then go with the flow and see what happens. And, and agile and innovation is all about taking a step, test and learn and then adjust, you know, so that's where some of those tools come in. Some of these teachings, would you share them through the Wellbeing Gym? Like, what is exactly the Wellbeing Gym? Where does that all fit in? Yeah, so the, the Wellbeing Gym, it's it's uh, not a physical gym or anything like that. It's just a, a, a virtual gym, really. And it's it, its mission is to just use some of those tools and teach people how they can get their get their stuff together, basically, in, in their life. So so it, it has, you know, logical sort of ways of thinking and logical steps to think about your life as a whole and the tools like you know we use life canvas to, to help you think about uh, all the areas of your, of your life and then a roadmap to plan out things and goals and, and everything else but so 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 our mission is to help people and just have a, a, a better life whether that's more pleasure or more purpose or whatever their combination of those two things are for a, for a happy life and just make them more comfortable and everything else but the, the, the one thing to remember is, you know, there are people who, who this doesn't come naturally to them. So when we do the workshops and when we do any work with people, we always try and get them to choose what, what pieces of that, that whole model or those frameworks will work for them and then just small changes at a time. So some people might not want to do lists. They might not want to be uh, plan out their whole week, but, but maybe they want to just get half an hour a week to reflect um, before the next week starts and things like that. So it's, it's just about, ultimately, it's about small habit changes. So that's that's what we're trying to do with the well-being. Yeah. And usually when you're kind of talking about like planning out your day, and I know we'll develop it a bit more in the show, but like for a salon owner listening to this, they're probably thinking, well, my day changes so much. And a lot of us think that as well, like different appointments chopping and changing. I'm assuming these are still like you've obviously come across these challenges before and these principles do work for both. Yeah. Yeah, they do. I mean, they every different role and, and uh, every different career has um, a certain amount that you probably can't predict and can't control. And that could be, you know, 20 percent of your workday. It could be 90 percent. So the, the, the key question then is, what are you doing with the 10% that you can control? How are you thinking? Are you thinking strategically? Are you using that 10% to look at the unpredictability and see how you make that better, how you handle that better and maybe reduce that 90% that's taken up on unpredictable things to reduce it to 80 or to 70 or to outsource it or to, you know, automate it or whatever. Like, so the, the key thing there is it doesn't really, doesn't really matter. There's definitely time that you can gain and better ways to do things regardless of, of the role or the percentage of your time that's unpredictable. So this is something that's always taken into account when you're planning your day that you have to have that buffer time for change. Yeah, exactly. So you, you, you'll basically, if you, if you have, if you know that between, you know, nine and two, that's, there's just, that's, that's when the meetings happen or that's when you have bookings, but they can change. Then you just accept that. 
for the moment and you say, right, nine to two is gone. And then you see what you could do with the remaining time. What you're thinking about that nine to two, I'm not happy with that. I think I can improve it and see, seeing how you can improve that. So, um, yeah, there's, there's always tweaks you can make. So that productivity in that like 10 or 20, 30% that you can control, what does it actually mean to you? What it like, what is it? is doing less is it adding more value is it like being more present for different things like what does it mean really yeah a lot of people think of productivity as 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 getting more done um but i like to think of it in in the opposite way so it's how can you actually do less and get more value out of it how can you make your life life easier so so almost like having a lazy attitude what is what is the 20% 20% of what I do now that really changes things for me, that really makes an impact with my client or my business or my relationships or whatever, and focus on the things that really have an impact and try and minimize all of the rest. All of the rest are just distractions. So yes, there are things that you have to do, but what are the things that really have a, have a big impact? So it's the 80-20 rule, right? So 20% of, of what you do gives you 80% of your benefits and, and just applying that all the time. So how do we actually get into that state of refocusing? Because you're saying productivity isn't necessarily doing more. It's just focusing on the right things. That, that's that one switch that, like, how do we get into that zone? Well, first, you have to know, you, you have to know yourself. You have to know what your values are and what your priorities are. And part of that is, or a way to do that is to take some time regularly, um, and so you, you, you take some time and, and initially you might have to do a little bit of heavy lifting. What I mean by that is you, you might need to take two hours and, and go and write down everything that you're doing or write down everything that's important to you. So think about, um, use the acronym MARCH to, to help with this. So M is your mission or your career or your, your work. A is also uh, everything that's adventure or leisure or all those dreams you have um, about learning and new experiences and everything else, or as relationships, um, C is contribution and connection, and and then H is health, right? So you might just think about all those areas and have a big picture view. So just take a big picture view and really understand what's important to you. So that's the the first thing. And then look at how are you allocating your time right now? So are you allocating time to the things that are important to you? Are you just saying that they're important to you and actually neglecting them? So that raises your awareness and that brings to the surface what needs to be done, what is important to you. And then how and when um, is all about, okay, how are you allocating your time during the week? And I'd say have a weekly routine and look at the week ahead and allocate your time. And then when your time is allocated, Eliminate all the distractions and focus your energy on the single thing that's most important at that time. So there are four elements to productivity. It's the ability to prioritize allocating um, time, allocating energy, and giving everything that you do the right attention. So when I'm talking about allocating energy, I mean there are different types of things that you, you do and there, you have energy rhythms during the day. So most people, for example, would have high mental energy between 9 and 12 in the morning. So if you have thinking work to do or, or strategic thinking, that's a really good time to do it. Meetings in the afternoon, that sort of thing. Like So those four elements combined give you the productivity. So you're saying the start of the day is when we're kind of most, I suppose, 
that <laughs> I find that interesting because typically, yeah, yeah typically, yeah, um, yeah. But everyone's different. It's funny you don't like, you don't seem to agree with that, Killian. But I actually do agree with that. I'm probably the most creative, like writing, probably the most creative between if I can get up at four. Four is like my peak. Yeah. And um, but then it goes on until maybe eleven, and from eleven it just drifts off. Yeah. And then I get that peak again, starting around like ten p.m. often. Uh, no, it is interesting. I'm not agreeing or disagreeing. I like I do remember when I used to get up at. What was a half five to go to James? Like, yeah. yeah, it was getting it done. But then I kind of felt I was crashing about like 12 o'clock or something. So I kind of switched mine up to the evening. So I suppose it's just kind of finding what works for you then, is it? Absolutely. And that that is the key. So that's just the standard circadian rhythm that I was describing. But it's so important, right, just to pick what works works for you. And the only way to do that is by observing your body okay so i'm quite similar to, to zoe I, I get up before i love to write i love the coziness grab a grab a little coffee it's nice and quiet in the house but i'm i've built that routine around my family and and what works for me i've totally personalized it you know so um but like i i then fade um at about 11 half 11 on my energy is i've done like really creative work all my good stuff pretty much done and about half 11 or 12 i'm fading so I have lunch, I have a little nap. I, you know, I, I go to, like, if I'm in a corporate environment, I'm, sometimes I find a little room and lie down and no one knows I'm there. Like, so I do all sorts of odd things to have my little afternoon nap. And then I'll, I'll have another little burst in the afternoon. But, like, that is, I'm lower energy mentally. So it's normally like collaboration or meetings and things like that. But the, you're absolutely right. The only thing that matters uh, when you're talking about um, energy rhythms and everything else is. You need to be aware and listen to what your body is telling you and respect it. So a little bit of trial and error, I suppose. Try a few kind of early mornings and try a few late evenings. Exactly. Yeah. So you mentioned a little bit of, well, a good bit about prioritizing uh, earlier, but how do we know what to prioritize? And I know you kind of talked about like getting into the focus, but I suppose right now, if you were to go, what's most important to me? I could give you a list of stuff and then you go, well, prioritize that. I go, I don't know how to prioritize that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's like, I want to do everything right now. So what would you say to someone (laughs) like me, I suppose? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few techniques you you can do, right? But uh, this is quite often a challenge for people when when they write down the, you know, their top 20 things. And prioritization, actually, the word priority, used to be just singular so it stood for the one thing yeah and i was i was saying to zoe before the before we were chatting here um i read a book recently called the one thing and it it uh, summarized a beautiful question which is really powerful and it's what is the one thing that if i did now would make everything else easier or unnecessary so that's one question you can ask but often you know you'll look at a list and they all look like equally important and sometimes you can ask what are the consequences of not doing this okay so you might have two things that just seem so important and if you don't do either of them but you look at one and you'll say actually if i don't do that i'll get fired um or if i don't do that my marriage breaks down or whatever right and pretty quickly you'll figure out if your marriage or your job is more important to you or whatever right so Asking what are the consequences of not doing something is a really good way to, to figure out actually um, that's not important right now. Or maybe there's just a little bit of it you can do 
just to keep it alive or ticking over, but actually the other one is more important. Like so, you p- part of that um, is, is is asking that question all the time. So like you walk out of the room now and finish this podcast, um, you could ask, okay, what's the best use of the next twenty five minutes? And if you don't know the answer to that question, then the best use of the next twenty five minutes is to find the answer to that question. So go and have a coffee and think about that question. So that's what I do when I'm when I'm stuck. I literally go and say, okay, I need to look. I need to just like jot down all the things I could do and figure out the most important. Because otherwise, I'll, you can go straight into a task and the next one and the next one and the next one. And the most important one is left behind. And, you know, productivity and, and knowing that what you're working on uh, is the most important. It, you know, it gives you mental... Um, clarity and it gives you peace of mind like because the worst thing is having that nagging feeling that you left something really important behind like so yeah just think about the consequences and try and, and think if i drop this you know would it matter and would you structure your whole day well not even your whole day or, or but kind of like you're going into your day with going this is the single most important task would you usually do that at the start of the day then yeah, for me, because I'm a yeah, because I'm a morning person. Um, so I always try and get a, a win in the morning routine. My little win personally is is a, a bit of writing and a bit of some physical exercise and some meditation, say. And then um, between nine and twelve is the most important thing, um, or, or the, the the hardest thing usually. Um, but yeah, it's the most important thing, and I just do that first. Um, it's like anything. I found you know that if I like you're, you're you, my physically the best time to go to the gym is normally five or six. But if I if I've tried that and it just doesn't work because your days can sometimes go astray. But so for me personally, it's best to get the gym out, out of the way in the morning and and also most important task because then you can kind of go with the flow and, and be happy the rest of the day. You know. Mm. So what happens? Say for instance, I don't know. You've had you've had a really like exhausting day the day before, and that kind of sets you off for kind of having a hard time getting that one big thing done between that 9 and 12 like a.m. period. How do you manage that? How do you kind of go around it and still be able to keep on to your your, your list of what you have to accomplish that day? Because that happens a lot. Like the, the environment in the salon is just so changing so fast and sometimes you'll work extra hours and this and that and then it just off puts the whole week sometimes, you know? Yeah, like they would barely even get a lunch break where you're saying you might be able to get like a 10, 10 minute nap. So it is just that different environment, isn't it? it well, it, it is. But I mean, I've, I've worked in, in, in banks and I've worked on big programs where I wouldn't, I wouldn't have got a lunch break, break for, for a period of time. But um, if, if I, I, I'd disappear for 10 minutes and just take a breath, um, it might be, you know, the day is getting away from you and you might just take 10 minutes um, where you're grabbing a sandwich and you are, you look at the rest of the day and you basically ask yourself, okay, the morning's gone astray. And again, it's that question, what is the best thing to do now, given where I am? So you just reset, take some time out, um, hide from people um, and, and, and take the break to, to think about that. I mean, over time, you'll just become better at this and... 
you have to start somewhere. So the, the, the place to start is is always uh, is, is deciding, okay, when am I going to take that five or 10 minutes that I, that I know most days will work? And not every day will work, but even on the days that go astray, um, I'll try at the end of the day to, to look back over the top three things that I, that I have. And I kind of limit it to, to just three. So I, like, you know, I, I basically have a card like that and I purposely have just used index cards because they're so small and they restrict me. So I don't have a big notepad where I can write 25 things. I can only write three things. And most days I'll, I'll get two or three of those done. And, and if I don't, that's okay. I know I'm way ahead because I've been productive most days and I accept that. And then I just go, okay, what's the top two for tomorrow? Um, and, and go again. So um, again, it's, it's just taking the time, taking the time alone and start small. You know, if it's two minutes, five minutes, you, you can go to the bathroom and take a few breaths and stay in there until you're ready to come out. <laughs> <laughs> you just, uh, you just mentioned there like that you have your main tasks and if you need to carry one over to the next day, that's fine. That it's not really a problem, but what happens if things start building up? And I know obviously yeah, you're prioritizing, but what is to stop you getting in the habit of, oh, well, I'll just do that tomorrow. I'll just do that tomorrow. And then eventually these three priorities that you had just keep getting knocked on because that is, and like I know Zoe joked about my calendar. I have it like pretty tight now at this stage, but I do still find tasks that I've been pushing off daily, daily for the last two weeks now. <laughs> so like, how do you kind of prevent someone getting into that habit? So procrastination can be uh, an interesting one because sometimes it's it's a signal that, those things are actually not that important to you, yeah. And you should just drop them. So, um, like I, I remember golf. I was I was like committing time to golf and getting lessons and everything else. Like, and then I decided actually, you know, I keep putting this off, and um, I'm going to get golf done. I'm going to tick it off the list by just ticking it off the list and never playing again. So that's what I did. So it, it's either telling you that it's not important to you, and you should just accept that. Um, or you, you need to actually just start. And if it's, it, it might be signaling also that you're that you're afraid that you are. It's either so big or so exciting that you might be afraid of the success of it, or you might be afraid that it's a difficult conversation ahead, or whatever. Like so, it might be pointing to a, a fear as well. Um, and the only way to to test that or to overcome that is picking. Um, a really small action that you know you can do right now and starting and then just seeing where that leads. So DNA, decide next action, just think, okay, how would I actually start this? So it might, if it's if it's a really big project, just, just think what's the first step. And the first step might be, I don't know how to start this, I'm going to call Zoe and that's easy. Let's call Zoe and talk about it um, or, you know, call anybody, call me. Um, and we'll talk about those things you keep procrastinating about. <laughs> That's interesting because that actually happened to me just uh, just a few weeks ago where I was just like so nervous about something, so afraid to not do well in it that I couldn't actually get to start it until I really felt the pressure that, okay, if I don't start this now, then I'm definitely going to fail at this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And and it happens to me as well. I mean, I, I was doing a, the, the diploma um, recently and um, I was doing other things as well. And then all of a sudden the deadlines for the diploma hit and they make it really clear. And it just becomes so easy to prioritize because it just gave me clarity. Like I have to get this done now. And 
I just cleared the decks. And sometimes creating an artificial deadline by committing to somebody else or by saying, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet you next week and I'll, I'll have a plan to go through by then then it just switches you back on like so but but it is like deciding are those things really important to me or or am i am i going to drop them and it's actually so powerful because when you did the workshop with us you got us to do up a chart of what would you like to achieve over the next uh, i think it was like six months or 12 months or something like that and like one thing i had down was i'd love to do a marathon i'd love to do a marathon and i wasn't even doing that much running at the time and I wrote it down, I had the DNA and everything, but I actually left it a couple of months. And then my whole summer was just jam-packed. And then I kind of realized, oh, I've signed up for a half marathon in prep for it and realized it's in three weeks' time. So I was finding I was sitting down in my evenings and I was wrecked after work. But then that decided now that next action was like, well, I'm sitting here watching TV. It's going to be setting myself up for failure. Just get up and do one. Get up and do one run. And then I kind of found that after doing it the first time, I was more excited to do the next one and it just kind of built up and it's just that starting, isn't it? Yeah. It's getting it started. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people might not set like that's, that's a, an outcome goal, the marathon. Some people will just set process goals, which is I'm going to run three times a week and process goals are, are, are really good because they're a little, they're a little bit easier and real. So, you know, ultimately the, the outcome has to be broken down anyway. Like, so what you did there was, you, you, you might have said, said okay i'm just going to get up and, and, and do this run every week and you succeed at that it's because this is physical brain change you know these new habits physically changing your brain and neuroplasticity is a relatively new um science i suppose or or um ability that we have that we're aware of to change the pathways in, in your brain the neural pathways so you're you're actually learning new habits and whenever whenever you do any physical change you need to start small so you don't pull a muscle, basically. So don't look at one big goal and go, right, I'm going to get to that. You kind of break it down into steps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's good to have a vision. It's good to have, to think at that uh, really high-level horizon. But ultimately, the change occurs at a tiny level um, every day or whatever. So you, you ultimately have to decide, okay, how would that big goal be achieved? If I'm looking at myself in a year's time and I finished the marathon, what sort of man was I? What what were the things that I did to run that marathon? And you know, you you got up on the mornings where you didn't want to get up. Um, so your process goal was was you know just do that run, do the do do a two mile run for a month, and then when that's an established habit. What's the next uh, little jump just outside your comfort zone? Just a stretch, you know, like like stretching your muscles. It's it's just a stretch. Um, and then when when your brain, um, when your muscle is is used to those morning runs that are short, you're gonna get get longer and longer. Yeah, and then to bring that back to the salon owner, like we ran a campaign. We've run two campaigns there recently, so we wasn't it. It was the thirty days to grow. So in April, and then salon retail week. Yeah, like one. One of the big goals, we basically discounting was a big issue in the culture. And we were saying you should remove discounting and kind of offer, I suppose, different benefits or basically you shouldn't be cheapening your services. If anything, you should be charging more for your services. And that's where the 30 Days to Grow campaign came from, where it was every single day for 30 days was just one small little task. And it sounded like such a big task when you talk about the end result. 
But then when you broke it down over 30 days, the feedback was actually really good, wasn't it? And you, in the marketing, you ran Retail Week then on top of that. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And everybody got amazing results. But again, it was the same principle of having one small task a day for seven days and at the end, compile the results and see how, how far you've come and what you can action going forward. That's, that's really good. I've been procrastinating about um, building a, a list for my business, a marketing list or an email list. Um, and I just registered to do a 30-day list builders challenge by a, a lady who's a, a bit of an expert in marketing. So, And I've looked at it and it just every day just looks so easy when you break it down. It's like, yes, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. And But the build-up of it on top of each day, building on top of one another, it's amazing what you can achieve. So, yeah, yeah. it's great. So you were mentioning process goals earlier, and it got me thinking about like rituals because we were chatting about that offline before. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on like creating a ritual for yourself and also dealing with distractions. Like if there's something that I, I remember um, – hitting me a lot in that workshop was distractions and realizing how many I had. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. And so like, how, how do you manage those distractions, but still manage to be in your ritual? Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll talk about rituals first, cause it's a little bit similar to habit building. Um, the, the first, one of the biggest life changing rituals for me was, um, I spoke about starting to meditate um, six or seven years ago, and we went to see. We were at um, Wired for Wonder, and it's it's a convention in in Sydney, basically. And there was a a guy who'd lived on an island in Hawaii for ten years. He was a monk, and now he's in New York, and he 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 does um, all sorts of retreats and everything else. So he he taught us how to meditate for forty five minutes. But I remember him saying at the end, "If you're new to meditation, don't even think about doing meditation for forty five minutes. Just do two minutes a day." until it's a ritual and that was my first sort of you know i mean i was i planned every day and planned weeks and things like that but uh that was my first real um ritual in terms of sacred ritual i suppose and i and i started meditating two two minutes every day and i probably did that for six months and i wasn't seeing an obvious change but other people were saying i was a lot calmer and a lot clearer and things like that so it's, it goes back to that point we were talking about incremental changes building up you might notice them but you're getting long-term benefits and then when i was ready i got a, a vedic meditation teacher to teach me a little bit more and now i meditate twice a day so um so r- rituals um you should build up slowly um Nice rituals to have are your morning rituals, starting off positively. Um, a little ritual at the end of the day, just to give yourself a pat on the back and say, well done on, on having a good day and switching off, for example, work and then switching on to family time or whatever, if, 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 if uh, that's important to you in the evening. Um, and then there are sort of longer term rituals like taking time out. Uh, go and have a coffee on your own um, every week or, or or whatever, right? So, that, so they're the kind of rituals. In terms of eliminating distractions um, and going back to busy environments. Um, as I said, I worked in banks and large programs where people were constantly demanding and had competing priorities and you're dealing with multiple stakeholders and multiple businesses and uh, everybody wants a little bit of some, something. And to be honest, um, I, I started just, as I said, disappearing for 20 minutes a day but during that 20 minutes i was able to get an hour or or two hours worth of 
work at my desk done. So I was removing myself from the environment that was distracting me. And you're not always able to do that, but you can still, for example, um, hide your phone. Even being able to see it is a distraction. You can use noise-canceling headphones and instrumental music. Um, you can turn your desk or your laptop or you can go to a room where there's less people. Um, so there's loads of techniques there to eliminate um, any sorts any sorts of distractions, but the, the best one is to remove yourself from, from the environment. Have a, fa have a favorite place where you can spend an hour of, of your day maybe getting the really important work done and then go back in and, 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 and that sort of thing. And the, the thing that happens there is that even though you think that you're expected to be in a place um, or that you should be seen to be in a place or whatever, as long as you're getting your stuff done, people won't notice. And actually, you'll be able to have conversations with people uh, about how you ultimately are delivering more because you're removing yourself from that environment. Like, um, so, you, you know, good managers or good leaders will judge you on on your on your outcomes and not time in a specific place and, and everything else like so um for for i suppose for salon owners um they may be in an environment um that has a lot of distractions and they may they may need to be there to to um to see customers and and it's a very customer facing facing role but then you also not there's, there's time in your business and then there's time on your business so so you need to be able to allocate the, the time to work on your business and grow it and everything else so um yeah it's just a, a matter of allocating the right amounts of time to each type of work i've just actually noticed looking at my notes there that the list of distractions you've actually broke it down into an acronym plenty of time yeah yeah, we did. It's only real yeah. now. Yeah. We did a survey because 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 um we did a survey with uh, some corporates and we we uh, we made it into a word cloud. You know the, the the way it shows the teams that are coming out of the survey and not enough time was the common response when we asked people what's your number one challenge with productivity, not enough time and. It's just a pure myth, you know. Everybody has the same amount of time. Like time is, you know, it's just it's a concept. That's all it is, right? So, not enough time. What does that mean? Um, the only thing that you have control over is not your time. It's what you put into it. So, I I just use that acronym plenty of time to remind people that there is plenty of time, right? Because if you did an analysis of what you do during the week, say, or every week, you're probably spending eight to fifteen hours on stuff that you wouldn't classify as being important to you and neglecting them stuff that is. That plenty of time one is funny because I remember when you were in the workshop, you did this, um, it was like this time grid. So basically you had all these squares based from, I think it was six o'clock in the morning until nighttime. And you were saying, right, based on your everyday tasks, like your typical everyday tasks, shade out those blocks. I can't remember what it was called. It was like time blocks or something like that. And it relates to the plenty of time because you're going, right, now look at these everyday tasks. And we were all saying, oh, there's just not enough time in the day. We're all flat out. But then when we looked at the grid, we're going, do I even do any work? Because we had so much white space left. And what it was, was it was simple things like looking at your phone every now and again. Because if you do 20 minutes of work now, I know this whole rewards, it's the Pomodoro effect or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where if you do twenty minutes of work and then you go and look at your phone, but that five minute looking at your phone reward could end up into another twenty minutes. 
And that's when we kind of realized, all right, well, put the phone upside down. Same with meetings, things like those. The phone, just either put it in your bag or put it upside down. And then all of a sudden, kind of realized it was getting way more work done. And it wasn't even anything that you were doing anything on your phone. You were just looking for something to take your mind away. So I suppose that little bit of d- distraction, but the, where it comes into the plenty of time was because you've got it's people lists, paper, email, noise, telephone, office fear time, meetings, and it all does add up and it eats into that free time that you do have. Exactly. Yeah, you're so right. Um, and and the thing about it is that as soon as you're getting that distraction, that urge to check, we were talking about listening to your body and listening to your mind. That's the signal that you're tired. You're mentally tired. You're looking for a distraction. You're asking for a rest. So take the rest, actually leave the environment, take a walk, get a glass of water or whatever, or whatever. But, um, and make a phone call or, or, or whatever. But again, like time boxing is another technique, you know, where you just go, okay, I'm going to take a break for 10 minutes, but I'm going to be back at 11 o'clock and then I'm going to uh, listen to some music for half an hour and get the next one thing done, you know? So take the break like that is that all those as soon as I want to check my email or I want to you know go onto LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever it is, that's that's me. You know, I'm basically remind myself, okay, I'm getting distracted now, I need a break. That's pretty much you giving in, yeah. That's a signal to have your recovery ritual, you know. So talking about rituals, just have a break. Have a kick up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fresh air, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So what's your day like after your day? I suppose so that kind of you you said your day is broken up into there's like the three hours, there's your eight hours of work, your eight hours in the evening. Do you switch off when you're finished work, when you go home, or do you have any strict regime like that? Yeah, I do. Like a few a few years ago, I um, wouldn't have slept well. My quality of sleep wouldn't have been um, good. I was working on really large programs in, in, in the banks, lot, lots of people, as I said, lots of lots of things. But I do similar work now, and it's, it's still very busy, but my quality of sleep is... is um, so much higher and part of it is because i have that little evening ritual um where i write down sort of and give myself a pat on the back write down what what uh what i got done that day and write down the top two or three things that i'm going to do tomorrow and and write down everything actually that's on my mind like anything at all so it's out of my head for, first of all and then i've also learned a lot from my kids so my evening routine is is um no devices basically um most of the time but certainly no devices after half eight so i wouldn't watch much tv um and but like i wouldn't be on the phone after nine o'clock and you know read my kids stories and dim the lights and then that works for them and i'm looking at them going to sleep and i'm like that's what i should do so i do the same i keep reading and keep them in the lights basically and so that's that's a nice evening routine if sleep is your goal for the evening right so <laughs> some people like party is their goal for the evening so it depends what your goal for the evening is but my goal is to get a good sleep and to get up early in the morning like and then the third thing that probably really helped is, is meditation um, which built up slowly but i, I think i think that helped I, I don't have any evidence of that but they were the kind of changes i made during that period of time from going to low quality sleep to really sound sleep well you said you've no evidence of it working for yourself but other people told you that there was a difference so it yeah. must be something then yeah 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 exactly well yeah certainly the, the meditation was um the the clarity of thought like um in terms of knowing what's important and actually doing less work and having better outcomes i, I definitely noticed that myself 
So suppose on a final note, are there any preconceived myths that you've been hearing or people have been telling you um, that you would like to say, like, no, this is this is not exactly true so that we can actually get better at managing our, our time and prioritizing things? Well, do you want to have a game of true or false? Sure. Never or, done or I just, well, okay. Right. So <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if you were listening at, at my workshops, right? So you guys should know this if you were listening, right? So between, okay. Efficiency is the same as productivity, true or false? False. True. You've been efficient. Zoe is, is, is correct. So efficiency is part of it. So efficiency is being really fast. Productivity is being really fast at the right thing. I'm afraid to answer now. I'm going to get judged when I walk back upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> this episode's going to air. People going to, in work are going to look at me going, come on. Okay. Next. Okay. So one nil to Zoe. This is like, isn't there a quiz show like this? Uh, multi- multitasking leads to a 40% drop in productivity. True or false? Oh, true. I think that's true. Okay. Two one to Zoe. You can get everything on your plate done. True if you're uh, prioritizing when you're getting it done. False. There's like a lot of there. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I'd say that's that's a myth. I'd say like there's always stuff to do. So like you know when you were talking about Zoe earlier on, like when when the day goes away, like even a perfect day, there's always new stuff that comes in. So it's it's more about like accepting that you've done your best, you've had a good day, uh, you know you had some fun, you had some yeah, you had a mixture of pleasure and purpose and. And there's more stuff to do. There's always more stuff to do. But like the beauty of that is that it's choice, right? So if you didn't have enough to do, that's boredom. So I'd much prefer to have stuff coming in and people coming to me and asking for help and that sort of stuff. It's a nice place to be. You don't if it doesn't if it if you don't allow it to overwhelm you, I think is the main thing. Okay. This is a big one. Work life balance is achievable. I'd say true, but it depends on what your definition of work life balance is. I think it changes for everyone. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, that was a bit of, I don't know whether it's true or false, but it's it's interesting because the way we separate work and, and life has almost opposite sides of the scales. And like, I like to think of work as just part of life and, you know, doing work that you like, like this pod, podcast, um, I presume you guys like it. And uh, that sort of thing, you know, so sometimes you might have an intentional imbalance. You might choose to focus on your career for a period of time and keep everything else um, stable, not neglect it, like, but just focus on, on that part of your life. So you might just move from certain areas of your life and have a little bit of an imbalance. But as long as roughly everything is is uh, working together and there's not a part of, of, of your life that's going to be so bad that it's dragged, dragging everything else down. So that was just more of a, you know, a trigger for a conversation, I suppose. Um, our brain is good at remembering, true or false? My memory No, of course. But you can train it. It's not that you're remembering everything, it's just retaining. It's like a storage unit, isn't it? I'd say so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, I mean, it, it is pretty good at remembering, but there's no need to use it for that, right? So it's much better, like, if you write things down and then your brain will, will then spend more of its capacity, like, solving problems and, you know, subconsciously working on things that you might be afraid of or you might be, you know. So, so those moments of inspiration when you're, you know, staring out at the sea or staring out on the train and you go, oh, that's what I need to do. That's the answer to that one. That's, that comes with freeing up your brain for doing better things. Sure, isn't it? Like uh, Einstein said, why, uh, why fill your head with useless knowledge? Predicted Google. You don't need to remember everything. Only remember what you need to know. Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. All right. A couple of, couple of small ones now. Uh, last two, two. Tuesday is the most productive day of the week. True or false? True. Oh, they always say do leg day on a Monday because it's the hardest. So, mm, false. It's always right. True. Tuesday hey. is, yeah. So, <laughs> obviously, Monday people are <laughs> I love a good Monday. Monday is the least productive. True or false? Oh, Friday is the least oh. productive. Yes. Well done, Killian. All right, last one. Total time spent on social media exceeds time spent eating, drinking, socializing, and personal grooming combined. Fuck. I'd have no hard time believing that that's true. Yeah, like I feel like it's true, but sadly it is true. Wow. Yeah, it's almost like an extension of our of our body now. Like, and it's it's funny because it, adults can't almost don't, don't even recognize it. Um. So and and then we're 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 trying to teach our children. You know, not to become addicted, but they're just copying us. They're just mimicking us. Yeah. Anyway, didn't need to end on that sad note. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, let's, let's end it on a good note. If anyone listening to this today feels a little overwhelmed or wants to just chat maybe and get some clarity on some, some concepts, how can they reach you? How can they get in touch? Um, email james at thewellbeinggym.com or go to my website and fill in a form there or whatever. And uh, yeah, um, if anybody needs any help, for sure, I can, uh, can help them. Love to. James, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. And I'm actually delighted that you had that little questionnaire thing at the end because <laughs> it just really ended it on a good note. Yeah. Nice one. So we won it, by the way. <laughs> I know, I know. Don't remind me. <laughs> I was trying to be too smart with my answers. <laughs> <laughs> Never play it smartly. Cool, no, that, was, that was really enjoyable, actually. I enjoyed that. Thank you so much for being on the show with us. It's been amazing. Thanks. Thanks, Zoe. So that was James Parnell from The Wellbeing Gym. Um, we're going to have some links to James's uh, website if anyone's looking for some further consultation and wants to get in touch with him. Really good episode. Um, I hope you've learned a lot about productivity and time management. One thing I learned was never try to be too smart or you'll just get shown up in front of everyone. So, uh, yeah, congratulations on winning that one, Zoe. I'm not bitter. <laughs> Thank you very much. So I suppose uh, you don't want to introduce me. I'll introduce myself. It's fine. The second part of the show, the Forest Academy webinars. Um, so we have one coming up. It's the Salon Email Masterclass. It's from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time or 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. UK Ireland Time. And so what you'll learn in this webinar, it's a one hour masterclass with Chris Brennan, and you'll go through the anatomy of a successful email from subject line to booking. What's the, e the winning email journey, avoiding the dreaded spam folder, tips and tricks, and get simple yet proven campaign tips to get clients for booking appointments straight from their inboxes. So that's not to miss. And then we're at Olympia Beauty in late October because trade show season is coming up real fast and so that is in London in the UK and so um, it's from September 30th to October 1st we'll be on booth C70 we'll be there to answer all your questions um, and so yeah September 30th and October 1st if you want to register or get tickets to any of those two events so the masterclass and Olympia Beauty, you can go onto our Facebook page in the events section find either or of those events click the get tickets for the webinar it's just to save your spot it's free as usual and for olympia beauty you'll be redirected to the actual trade shows website where you can reserve your tickets from there 
So that's it for us today. If you have any feedback, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or on Stitcher. We're always looking for suggestions on how to improve the show. Don't forget that we're also on Spotify now, so you can check us out there. Otherwise, have a wonderful week and we'll catch you next Monday. All the best.